This podcast is a publication of the Engineering Management Institute, where we are committed to building professional development systems, including project management and people leadership programs that support the growth of engineers and their firms. Download our AE Industry Trends Report for insights on the great resignation, remote work productivity, and people-centric cultures. To get your copy, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Welcome to this episode of the Civil Engineering Podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping civil engineering professionals succeed in work and life. Marketing and social media is so important in the civil engineering world today, not only because you want to drive more business, but it's your image and it shows people who you are as a firm and it will get top talented professionals interested in working for you if you have a strong presence. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, and in this episode of the Civil Engineering Podcast, I'll be talking with Lindsay Divin, who is a marketing and sales manager at Full Sail Partners, as well as the podcast host of a show called Marketers Take Flight. And she's going to talk about the importance of building a strong online presence for firms in the civil engineering industry. Again, I can't stress the importance of it. We work with so many firms on a learning and development standpoint. We help them build custom PM training programs, and they realize the benefits of these programs to developing their staff, but they don't understand that they can then take what they've built and talk about it on social media in a way that drives value for others that will bring people into their firm. A quick word from our sponsor for this episode, Simpson Strong Tie. Simpson Strong Tie is a building industry pioneer dedicated to helping people design and build safer, stronger homes, structures, and communities. Simpson Strong Tie is making a positive difference for their customers through expert engineering, world-class test laboratories, and unrivaled technical support. We invite you to consider working alongside the many talented, passionate, and humble people who are all contributing to our shared mission in an environment that supports a healthy work-life balance. It's a place where you can connect, create, and build a career. Visit strongtie.com forward slash careers to learn about our culture and why Simpson Strongtie employees are our most loyal customers. Let's jump into the episode with Lindsay. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, now I'd like to welcome our guest onto the show today. Lindsay Divin is the founder of Marketers Take Flight. Lindsay, welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. No, we're excited to have you. I mean, marketing is something I think that a lot of AEC professionals and firms for sure need some help with. So we're looking forward to kind of diving into that a little bit. But before we do that, Lindsay, can you give our listeners a little bit about your background and your career journey to date? I studied marketing in college and found my way working at an engineering firm by applying to an ad for a marketing coordinator on monster.com, if you remember way back when. And so I started working as a marketing coordinator at an engineering firm and quickly built a team and then you know became a regional director and then eventually director of marketing and business development for an engineering and architecture firm. And then pivoted a little bit a couple of years ago to the software side. And then I'm also run Marketers Take Flight, which is a marketing training and development company. You've got some experience in the engineering world doing some marketing for firms, and then you decided to kind of go out on your own and, and help these firms, which is great. So let's talk a little bit about 
social presence. You know, obviously our listeners are civil engineering professionals, civil engineering firm leaders. Why can civil engineering leaders not ignore their social presence? Why do they need to pay attention to it? Well, there's a couple of reasons. The main ones are everything was going digital, marketing trends, and everything was going digital before the pandemic. The pandemic has since accelerated that. And then another reason is because our decision makers on our client and our owner sides, the generations are changing. And so as these younger generations come in, they're going online first. They don't want to talk to people. They want to go online. They want to find the information and find the experts themselves. And then social is fed into those search results. So if you searched your name or my name or our firm name, our LinkedIn information or our Twitter information is going to pop up there in the top of those search results. A lot of firms are stuck in the old traditional ways and they're still not, you know, kind of gravitating towards the idea that people are going to find you online. They're going to find your LinkedIn profile. So you might as well take some time and put some effort into making it look sharp because it is representing you and it is representing your firm. And in some ways, to be honest with you, it's kind of irresponsible if you create a LinkedIn profile and don't populate it. And then because if someone searches for your firm and they find you and like they can't really connect with you, there's not a lot of information there. It could have come off as like, oh, you know, whatever. And they go on to the next person. And again, your firm could kind of lose out. So I do think it's important. And I think you need to pay attention to it. And quite frankly, it's not that hard to do. It just might require a little time for you to dig into it one day. Totally agree. What are some steps that engineering firms can take to become more visible online and show their expertise? Well, you already talked about one, a LinkedIn profile. LinkedIn also has pages. You can set up a page for your company and have your your employees connect to that page. So it actually helps legitimize your company that you have a company on LinkedIn, that people work there. And so that's one area. I think two, another basic area is a website. And there are still so many firms that do not have websites or their websites are really outdated. Like the last project that's on the website was from 10 years ago. And there are relatively easy website builders and there are people that you can hire, firms that you can hire nowadays, relatively cheap. Probably your niece or nephew probably could build a website. And so I would say just making sure it's like your kind of your digital address. It's your digital like base and people are going to search for it to see if you're legit, if you're still in business and they're going to poke around. And so on your website, you not only want to have your services, like what you do, very plainly spelled out what you do, who you do it for, and then where you've done it before. So some example projects, and then who's doing it. So there's this other old adage where we were afraid to put people on our website, like who works there, because you know recruiters will poach them and, and that kind of stuff. Well, they're doing it anyways. So might as well put it on and put your experts on your webpage because your clients and maybe other potential employees are looking to see who works there to and see if they know anybody. The point about the LinkedIn company page is an important one. And and I'll tell you right now, we get a lot of inquiries from leaders and engineering firms for our project management training and types of training that we do. And when someone contacts us, the first thing I typically do, we'll go to their LinkedIn profile page just to take a look at, you know, who they are, who's reaching out to us. And I can't tell you how many times I scroll down their profile and I try to click on their company and it's not connected to the company LinkedIn page for whatever reason. Like they just type the name of the company in their employment and they didn't make sure that it got connected. And so I think that that's a really important point that Lindsay makes is that you want to make sure you're connected to your company 
And in terms of like the idea, and I agree with you, this idea of like, you know, you don't want people see who works for you and things of that nature. I mean, if you're worried about someone hiring people away from you because they know who they are or they know how to find them, then you're in a lot of trouble because they'll find anyone. It's a matter of building your company the right way. So people want to work for you. They want to stay there. They're excited about what they're doing, not just hiding them from your website. So I think that that's something that is a real important message beyond social presence, but also, you know, building something where people want to stay and be a part of. So that, that's really important. So Lindsay, what if engineering firms only had about 10 minutes per week to build an online presence? What are some of the things that they can do in that 10 minutes each week to establish a presence? Assuming you have your LinkedIn page and your website, check, check. Either as your LinkedIn page, you can interact or as your engineering leaders, their profiles, personal profiles. What I recommend is first, spend some time following or connecting with all of your current clients, previous clients, teaming partners, other people in the industry, because that'll fill your feed, whether it's on LinkedIn. We're talking about LinkedIn, but you could do this on Twitter. You could do this on other things, other platforms, but LinkedIn tends to be the best in my opinion. So that'll fill your feed once you make all those connections with their content. And then, so once you make those connections, you know, spend five minutes making the connections and then spend another five minutes interacting with their content, their posts, either as yourself or if you have access to your page as your page, because that'll help. We forget that social media is social. So we need to engage and we need to have these two-way conversations. And not only will that person see it, but all of that person's followers or that company's followers will see your comments. And so it just will amplify your reach and maximize your time. So I'm encouraging all of my clients and employees and students to start commenting. You know, a lot of times we like, or, you know, it's easy to click the like, but to really try to give some intelligent commenting, you might only do five in five minutes because it might take you a minute each time. And that's fine. If you do that once a week, I think that'll really increase your reach. Just a couple of follow-up points on that for me when I was working as an engineer, but I knew I was going to eventually want to start my own company for training. I took about 20 minutes on my lunch break every day and I just started building LinkedIn, You know, going on, connecting with people I knew, maybe throwing a post out here and there and just slowly building it. And today it's been a, an instrumental part of building EMI. I mean, I have about 15,000 connections that are engineers, but I will say we host a lot of podcasts. So I do get engineers, listeners that just connect with us. So that's a big help, obviously. But my point is, is that it was taking like a couple of minutes every day, consistently every day to work on it. And it wasn't a lot of time overall, but it was just like adding up. It worked well for me. If I want to really see what's going on with a company, whether it's one of our clients or a prospective client, I will go right to their LinkedIn page and look at their updates. Because for me, that's like a very current way to see what's going on. Whereas a website is typically pretty static. I mean, some engineering firms might update a blog. They might write some articles about what's going on. But going to the LinkedIn page, assuming they have a page and they're doing a good job, like Lindsay suggests, posting things and interacting with people, you can really get a, a good feel for what kind of projects they're working on. You know, Are they going to conferences? Are they hiring people? And so it's a really good way for someone to get a heartbeat on your firm if you're listening. And so you know they're watching your LinkedIn feed. So I think it's an important thing to put on there. And the other point that Lindsay makes there that I think is an important one to drive home is it's a very high leverage tool because if you start to have connections with all of these people and you're posting stuff in your feed, now you know hundreds of people or however many people can really keep an eye on what you're up to 
you can kind of build some credibility and build expertise without having to call those 20 people or, you know, send out emails to all those people. And so if you're someone who says I'm too busy for LinkedIn, you might want to rethink that statement because really to me, things like LinkedIn provide a lot of leverage because they allow you to get in front of a lot of people at one time and potentially a lot of people that you want to be in front of specifically depending on how you build your LinkedIn profile. So those are some things I think just to think about that maybe will get you a little more excited about it. Yeah. It's like one huge networking event if you do it right. Exactly. And kind of building on that, Lindsay, how can a strong online presence help to build trust with your clients or even, I guess, prospects? A lot of what you just said, you were just explaining, they can kind of get a pulse on what you're doing. And I love when firms share like job site videos. You know, if you're out at a job site, you know, open up your phone and walk through and take a video and post that. And so clients can see like you're actually working on things. You're actually doing things. Or if you're in a design meeting, take a picture of that, you know, internally and and post it and say, here's the design meeting we had today. And here's some of the things we hammered out and made decisions on. You don't have to get specific or specific clients. You can kind of show the behind the scenes or how the sausage gets made. And I think that gives a real credibility, especially when a lot of engineering is gets buried literally under the ground, you know, depending on what kind of engineering it is. So it's really hard to show it after it's done. So talking about the process and talking about and showing the process really adds that it positions you as the expert and you know what you're doing and you're talking about it and you're not afraid to talk about it. It kind of really adds a human element to it as opposed to just saying, hey, hire us to do you know, land development and here's a link to our website as opposed to, hey, check out what we're doing on this project. You know, We ran into this problem. This is how we fixed it, right? And so you're out on a site you know, showing them how engaged you get in your project. So it's just like more dynamic than just come hire us for this. Like People want to see what you're doing and see who you are. And that, I think that's one of the big benefits of social media for sure. What tips can you share with our listeners in regard to creating a social media marketing plan for your business? It could be overwhelming. So first, what I would like to say is to pick a platform. So we've been talking a lot about LinkedIn. So just pick one to start with because it can get overwhelming. So pick one. It could be LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok. I don't know. There's a ton of them. And then the key with social media is consistency. So you already talked about that a little bit. So the next thing you want to choose is like decide is how many times a week are you going to post? Is it going to just be once a week, twice a week, five times a week? But just pick a, a cadence that you consistent with and then decide who you're writing the post for. So we've talked a lot about like clients, but I know a lot of engineering firms are doing a lot of recruiting. So recruiting type posts where you're trying to recruit other engineers or college grads are going to be very different than if you're trying to get an architect or a contractor or a developer to hire you. And so who you're writing the posts for. And then I like to develop like content pillars, which are the different types of posts. So one might be like about us. One might be behind the scenes. One might be employees culture or workplace culture where you feature an employee one might be a client spotlight or a project. Put those in those kind of those buckets because then it'll help you frame and then you can just rotate them. So if you post three times a week, you go for, through the first three pillars and then the next week you go through the next three pillars. And so it's kind of a variety of different types of posts that are engaging and you know meet a little bit entertaining, a little bit educational, a little bit promotional. 
That's great. And I think engineering professionals will like that because it's kind of a thought out, you know, strategic approach and you can wrap your head around it, you know, three posts or this many posts and this type of post. One of the keys that I've always found in posting is I think at the end of the day, you want to make sure that you're giving value to the people that you're posting to, right? And that's why like even I wrote an article on LinkedIn recently about this and we can link to in the comments, but even like when people say like, hey, welcome aboard, we hired this new person and they post something. It'd be great if you could say something like that, but then say like, hey, we hired Lindsay. Here's a couple of pieces of advice that Lindsay has in her career development so far. You know, So it's like, not to be rude, but a lot of people don't care who you hired, right? Like a lot of engineers that are looking at your company, it's like, okay, they hire another person, right? So in some way, I understand that you want to show your company's growing and, and that's, that's great and there's credibility involved, but why not also try to tweak the post a little bit to give some other value to those that are watching or that are listening or that are looking at it? So I think that's something to keep in mind is that people want to consume content that's valuable to them. In the world we live in today, they don't have time for anything else. Yeah. I would say either value or entertaining. If you can make them laugh or you know chuckle, that'll work too. So it just depends on your company culture too. One of the most popular LinkedIn posts I ever did was like a Dilbert strip about something related to project management or something. I got so much interaction on it because it was funny and you know people gravitated to it, engineers gravitated to it. All right. So are there any final pieces of advice that you could give to a civil engineer out there who wants to just dig in and start building their online presence? Any last pieces of advice? Don't be afraid to start. There's no really wrong way to do it. I mean, there are. We're not going to go through that. But Start with one social channel, like I said, and then just connect or follow with people you already know in real life and start interacting with them. And that'll seem a little less intimidating, at least in my experience, than trying to reach out to people you don't know. Yeah. I mean, I love that advice. I think one of the reasons a lot of technical professionals don't engage in social media is because they do get overwhelmed to Lindsay's point and they feel like there's so many things they have to worry about that they just don't take any action. And so I think the idea of breaking it down, like Lindsay suggests, pick one, and I recommend LinkedIn. I'm sure Lindsay does too. Build a solid profile, right? And start doing some of the things that Lindsay walked through today, taking time every day or every week, you know, connecting with colleagues, et cetera. And just get, kind of get the ball rolling. And I think like anything else in life, the more you do it, the more comfortable you're going to get. But just don't try to do too much at the beginning because you'll get discouraged and you'll stop and then you won't necessarily get started back up again. All right. So we covered a lot of good stuff there. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and we're going to finish up by asking Lindsay a couple of last career questions. We'll be right back. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right. We are back with Lindsay Divin. Lindsay is the founder of Marketers Take Flight. All right, Lindsay, we're going to put you on the civil engineering hot seat. You ready? Yes. <laughs> Do you have any specific rituals that you practice every day? For example, do you have a specific morning routine or a lunchtime routine or just something that you do consistently on a daily basis that contributes to your success as a professional? So I have a what I call a work day shutdown ritual, and I use the full focus planner. I'm a full focus certified pro. And at the end of each day, I jot down in my planner my schedule for the next day my daily big three. So the three things that must get done the next day. And then I do my timesheet. And then I turn off my computer and walk out the door. I work at home. So I just walk out the door. But that workday shutdown ritual really helps me kind of close out the day and set me up for, you know, I can just start work the next day and know what I'm working on. Is that inspired by Cal Newport or? It's uh, Michael Hyatt. He developed the full focus planner. 
Okay. Yeah. Michael High, yeah, right. The full focus planner. And then also, I mean, I've read the book a couple of times, Deep Work by Cal Newport. And he also recommends like having some kind of shutdown routine at the end of the day, just because especially like you said, if you work at home, I feel like it's even more important because like, you know, you want to just say, okay, like you're psychologically saying to yourself, I'm shutting it down. I'm done for the day. I'll come back tomorrow. But it can be helpful to detach from work and things like that when you get out, you know, and you could have restful evening. Yeah. I used to have a commute, which would help, but now it's like, I walk out the door. We all hopefully read from time to time when we can. There's lots of good books and lots of good stuff out there. But there's often like one or two books that kind of stick with you for your career that you kind of go back to the practices and themes of them. Is there a book or two that you've kind of leaned on heavily or the philosophies heavily throughout your career? There's really two books. The first one I read in college, one of my bosses in college had me read. It was called Good to Great. And that philosophy, I mean, it's old, and it, but it has stuck, and I feel like it's very timeless. And it's helped me, especially as I started managing people, and like the idea of getting the right people and the right seats on the bus, that has really stuck with me. And then in the same vein, um, the five dysfunctions of a team. And so that's really helped me as I grew from a marketer to a manager of people. Just I use those philosoph- like things from those books all the time. Good to great Jim Collins is like, I know a lot of consulting firms lean on that book a lot. And I've heard a lot other guests mention that one on the show. And then The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, I think is Patrick Lencioni, which is also a book that a lot of people on the podcast have referenced. So that's good to hear those and, and good to hear that you use those regularly because I think those are the books that can be helpful. Thinking back on your managers of the past, and, and you don't need to name names, but if you think of like your favorite managers, what made them your favorite? Like we're trying to discover like, you know, what do good managers do? Like what are their patterns? So I have two favorite managers. I won't name their names. I was thinking about this question. And I was like, why did I like them? And I think there are two main characteristics or maybe three main characteristics that came up. One of the managers was I had when I, he was like my first manager out of college. And so he was very patient with me. And, and especially when I had to ask a lot of questions, because I'm not afraid to ask questions. And so he was very patient and, and taught me the business and taught me the business of engineering. I learned you know, how to read a P&L statement. I was a marketing coordinator. So he was very patient and because I was curious because I didn't know anything about this industry. And my current boss has the same thing. She's very patient. I've always been kind of an independent worker. And so kind of letting me run with things, like trusting me, you know, we would talk about a project or a campaign or something. And, you know, we talk about the guidance or the direction we want to go and then just go and let me do the work or let my team do the work. So kind of not a micromanager, but, you know, had trust in me in the ability after we, you know, set the direction. Kind of let you run with things when you got to a certain point. That's great. Yeah, I think that's a really important trait for a leader to be able to do that because it frees that leader up to do other things. And it also gives the person confidence that they're kind of letting try things out or because they're basically telling you, I believe in you to be able to kind of run with this on your own, you know, at some point. All right. I've got one final question for you. We call it the civil engineering career elevator advice question. So if you got into an elevator with, let's say a civil engineering professional and you had 30 to 40 seconds with him or her to share some career advice, you know, based on the work you've done with firms and everything you know about the industry, what would you tell that person? Get into sales and marketing. If you want to grow in this industry, you've got to understand sales and marketing and how firms position themselves in the marketplace and how they win their work. 
most of the leaders in the industry, if you will, most of those engineering professionals that have really grown and advanced, they've done it because of that, right? They've been able to bring in work or learn how to grow. And even if you're someone that you might say, hey, I'm not great at business development, if you understand how the company wins work, you probably can still contribute. For example, a lot of firms get repeat work. So if you're not a great business developer, you may become a great project manager and put out great projects and have those clients keep coming back, right? So there are definitely things you can do, but to Lindsay's point, you need to understand how the company works and how work comes into it and how they grow and how they, they earn revenue. And I think you can do that as early on as possible in your career to learn those type of things. To Lindsay's point earlier, you can ask questions, as many questions as you need to, if you have the right manager to kind of learn how to do that stuff. So once again, Lindsay Divin, Lindsay's the founder of Marketers Take Flight. Lindsay, I want to thank you for spending some time with us today on the Civil Engineering Podcast. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Lindsay. Building that online presence will be a game changer for your firm going into the future to ensure that you can attract the right professionals. Please remember you can find the show notes for this episode at civilengineeringpodcast.com. There you will find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during the episode. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your civil engineering career endeavors. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to download the latest version of our AE Industry Trends Report to get answers to the questions that you want to ask your staff, but you may be afraid to do so. How long will the great resignation last? How long should you allow employees to work remotely? And how are successful firms using data to grow sustainably for the long term? You can learn the answers to these questions and more by downloading the report at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.